Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit iloveSCBC.org. You can exist for weeks without food. I can probably just a couple of days without food. You can exist several days without water. And you can exist a couple of minutes without air. But you cannot exist even a few seconds without hope. You have to have hope to live in your life. It is hope that keeps your life and soul alive. Hope. Sometimes this is a difficult concept to grasp. It is one of those words that we say often, but when asked to define, it can be very difficult to pin down. I found it especially difficult to focus on this subject, subject of hope. As I was looking around the society, the nation and the world in which that we are living, particularly as I was researching some what I called shocking and devastating data and statistics in our nation. Did you know over 70,000 drug overdose deaths happened in the United States in 2017? It is an increase of about 10% from the year before, which represents nearly 200 people dying from overdoses Every day in 2017. That's not it. How about hunger? According to the data from Feeding America, about 50 million people, that is one in six others, and 16 million children, one in five children here in America, had been struggling with hunger and food insecurity which will cost over $300 million to meet their basic need. Of course, that's not it. How about mental health here in America? Let me give you an example, especially from high school students here in Massachusetts. According to the statistics, one in three students feel depressed or hopeless almost every day for two or more weeks in a row, and in one in 10 students seriously consider suicide. And 5% of them have attempted suicide. Do we need more statistics? I don't have to get into this economics or politics, right? You got the point. It clearly tells us that we live in a world that is no hope. We live in a world that needs hope. We live in a society where people and even those teenage students desperately cry out for hope. And that's what I want to talk about today. Hope. And I entitled today's message, How to Be a Voice of Hope. My hope for this message is that we not only find out the biblical definition of hope, not only finding out the ways that we can attain that element, element of hope for ourselves. But I want to challenge you. I want to challenge us even further. I want us to find a way that we can be a voice of hope to others. So what is hope? What does hope look like? 
firstly, let's talk about what hope is not. Hope is not blind optimism nor wishful thinking. Hope is not blind optimism. Optimism is telling yourself that things are going to be great even when they are not. Blind optimism says the sun will come out tomorrow. I'm sorry, but some days the sun doesn't come out. It's false hope. I could sit down to a glass of skim milk and say, I believe and hope that this is a whipping cream because I'm going to pour it on my strawberry shortcake right now. You could hope all you want. You could be very optimistic, but you know that's not going to happen. That is not hope. That is forced hope. Blind optimism is denial of one's circumstance. It is avoidance of the one situation. Our former president, Barack Obama, once explained a meaning of hope greatly against this blind optimism. And I quote, Hope is not blind optimism. It is not ignoring the enormity of the task ahead or the roadblocks that stands in our path. It is not sitting on the sidelines or shrinking from a fight. Hope is that thing inside us that insists, despite all evidence to the contrary, that something better awaits us. If we have the courage to reach for it and work for it and to fight for it. Hope is the belief that destiny will not be written for us, but by us by the man and woman who are not content to settle for the world as it is, who have the courage to remake the world as it should be. What a beautiful quote about real hope. Optimism said it is not as bad as you think, but hope says it is bad. It is bad. In fact, it's really bad. But despite all the circumstance, I still believe something better awaits us if I have the courage to act on it, to reach for it, to work for it, and fight for it. That is real hope. Also, hope is not wishful thinking. Wishful thinking is what most people mean when they use the word hope. You're late to a meeting and you say, I hope the light turns green. That's just wishful thinking. I hate to tell you this, but nothing that you hope like that is going to change anything. It will turn green if it wants to turn green. In fact, it will turn green as it is programmed to turn green. It's like when you say that you just bought a lottery ticket and you hope that you could win the lottery. The fact is, you are more likely to be struck by lightning than win the lottery. The odds tells us that you are more likely to be chosen to go to the moon than win the lottery. So that's just wishful thinking. I hope I win. It doesn't work that way. That is not the kind of hope that we can build our life on. That's why the Bible talks about the third kind of hope. This is the kind of hope that you need to build your life on, which is living hope. It is interesting to know that Bible describes hope as an anchor for our soul. 
The book of Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 says this. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Anchor is something that holds both in place. Keep the sheet from drifting. Once the anchor being put down, it may move a little bit with the waves and the wind, but the captain is not worried. He can be relaxed because he knows the anchor is down. It's not going to anywhere. The biblical hope is like that. It is what's going to keep your soul in its place. Hope is what's going to cause you to overcome your obstacles. Hope is what's going to cause you to keep your soul, yourself drifting from God. And Peter, in today's passage, explains biblical meaning of hope, living hope in a very spiritual way. He says in verse 3, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter says true biblical hope is called living hope. And that comes with our new birth through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can learn from uh, some lessons from this biblical hope. Living hope is something that we cannot attain. It is something that we cannot accomplish by our own effort or our own works. It is a given like a gift. It is a given like a gift, but it is a conditional gift. Only when you are born again with the Spirit accepting the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about Peter's life for a second. When he decided to follow Jesus at first, I believed what Peter had was mere wishful thinking or blind optimism. It wasn't real hope. This is probably what Peter had in his mind at first. That Jesus Christ is a Messiah that I've been waiting for. With him, with his mighty power, we could have our nation back. By destroying Roman Empire, we could establish the kingdom of Israel back here. But it took some time for Peter to have that real hope. It wasn't until that he denied Jesus Christ three times. It wasn't until for him to run away from the crucifixion and encounter Jesus Christ again after the resurrection of him. And especially, it wasn't until that he was born again by the Holy Spirit. You see that? It took the new birth for Peter to have new hope, the real hope and the living hope. Without the new birth, without being born again by Spirit of the Lord, by Holy Spirit, that we cannot have this living hope. What's interesting to me is that you open up the book of Acts and all of a sudden the Peter is like so courageous. It's so bold and courageous that he was walking around in Jerusalem preaching, evangelizing, having people to be baptized, get people to know about Jesus Christ. Even at the point of his own persecution and possible death. What was it that it could turn a coward like Peter into courageous and bold preacher and missionary. And I believe that is called a living hope. 
As I was preparing this message, Message on Hope, I came across this book, the book titled Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a professor of neurology and psychiatry. And this is perhaps one of the most powerful books that I've ever read in the last few years. So if you could only read one book for the rest of the year, only had time to read one book for the rest of the year, this book should be it. Okay? The book is about Viktor Frankl's experiences as a Holocaust survivor from Auschwitz and other three concentration camps during World War II. And during his time in camp, he experienced a truly horrific existence of his day-to-day -day camp life. Daily, people dropped dead all around him from disease and starvation. And people got killed for no reason at all, including his mother, father, brother, and wife. Think about this for a second. With all this in mind, how could he find hope for his life? How could he write a book that is based on the theme of hope? According to Victor, true hope is born when someone is finding meaning in one's life and even in suffering. He called it as the pursuit of meaning or the will to meaning. As Nietzsche says, and he called, he who has a reason so he who has a why to live for can bear almost anyhow. Even though Frankl was living in extremely difficult circumstances and had been stripped of almost all his humanity, he noticed something, that his ability to find meaning, even in the most horrific circumstances, helped him to survive. He noticed two types of prisoners in the camps. Those who had lost meaning and hope, and those who did not. He said this, those who were oriented toward the meaning, thought a meaning would be fulfilled by them in the future, are most likely to survive. In other words, the ones who had a why to live are most likely to survive. He discovered that in life, depending on having a meaning or purpose of life, or had strong why in life, one can either make a victory or over any kind of circumstances, or one can simply fade away. In Victor's case, as a psychologist, he thought of future lectures that he would be given based on his existence and his experiences. In doing so, his current life experiences became more objective. He looked at them as learning experiences, and he believed that his suffering would become lessons for his future teaching. And he embraced it, realized that hidden opportunities for his future achievement. He had a strong why. And I believe that is the hope that Peter was crying out for the people who've been suffering. In his letter, he know that countless of people of Christ were suffering, persecuting, or even died. He was writing to encourage them by giving them the meaning for their hope. 
very reason and very why for their hope. That is, God himself with his mercy and grace and love intentionally has given this gift through a new birth in their life. Made them new creation through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that hope, that living hope, is the only reason and why that they were able to continue on their mission. So you have to ask yourself a question. What are you living for? What is your purpose in your life? Do you have a strong why in your life for Christ? A why strong enough to get you through any challenges? A why strong enough to have the courage to reach for it? And to work for it and to fight for it. Viktor Frankl also said in his book that people should have what is called transcendent meaning in their life. Which means people not only having a meaning just for their own sake, but they should have a higher goal, higher meaning that is called a transcendent meaning for the sake of others. And he has actually given this example of how we should have happiness, how we should pursue happiness in our life. And he said that I called, forgiving my contradicting the declaration of, of independence, in which you find the phrase, pursuit of happiness. I say that the pursuit of happiness is a contradiction in terms. Because happiness can never be really pursued. Instead, happiness must ensue. Happiness is a side effect. Happiness is a byproduct. And it must remain as a byproduct of meaning fulfillment. Of your dedication to a cause greater than oneself. Or your surrender to a person other than oneself. He said, the more you give yourself, the more you forget yourself in love or in work for the sake of a cause to serve or a person to love, the very extent you will become happy precisely not by caring for happiness, but precisely by overlooking and forgetting whether you are happy or not. Isn't that wonderful? I believe what Viktor Frankl is saying is this. If you want to be the voice of hope to others, as a recipient of God's grace and mercy to this living home, by, by us being born again, you have to be pursuing what is called transcendent meaning in one's life. It's not about pursuing our own desire, our own success, our own happiness but pursuing others by helping them, by working for the sake of others, by loving them. And those happiness and success will follow us as a byproduct. Brothers and sisters, we're living in a world that we cannot find any hope. We're living in a world that people have been crying out for real hope. Now as a recipients of this living hope, given by our God through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, through us being born again by the Spirit of our God. We got to be a voice of hope to others.
as a recipients of God's grace at first, we should be living our life, what is called the transcendent meaning. And I believe transcendent meaning is also the way we live our life as a voice of hope. May God bless you at his word. And God's people said, amen.